Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. Our text for today, which is Isaiah 9, we're taking a, we're doing a series this season on this uh, most quoted prophet from the Old Testament, the uh, uh, as it were, the most poetic of, of the prophets, you might say, um, uh, and also the, the prophet that has the, the most sort of, um, as you'll notice this morning, um, uh, often the reason that Isaiah is quoted the most in, in the New Testament and throughout, throughout the Scriptures is because they're quoting him in relation to the promise of the Son who is yet to come. And today we see one of the most famous prophetic uh, utterances, profa- famous prophetic sort of pictures of the work and person of Jesus in Isaiah uh, chapter 9. So turn uh, to that, if, and it's printed in the bulletin if you desire to use it there, or you can look off of someone's, uh, look over someone's shoulder, or use the Bible that's in the pew in front of you, and we will follow along as we go. Starting in verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have, en- you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stand forever. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts and lives today. Teach us, uh, teach us uh, how we might um, discover more of what you've done for us. Teach our minds, uh, for we think impure thoughts. Yeah. Teach our hearts, Father, for we are led by emotions and feelings which are very unreliable. Lord, teach our will, for we submit uh, to so many other things other than you. And all these, and in all these ways, Father, our lives are less whole, less meaningful, less full of joy, less satisfying, less restful, and less glorifying to you in all of its aspects. Father, I pray that you do that for your namesake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of months ago, uh, Becky and I uh, 
you know, we're, we're trying to get some things ready. It was, a, it, was a, it was a rather, it was a busy week. I'm not sure what we were dealing with. I didn't even ask Becky uh, before, I, before I mentioned I was going to talk about this. There's nothing specific as a general aspect, but we were, we were in, a, in a time of just, uh, you know, uh, just a busy time. And I, I remember she had, she had come home uh, from work in the morning, and and uh, and I'm getting ready to go to to an appointment, and she comes home, and she seemed very frazzled, and she seemed very sort of um, uh, just frenetic, you know, and just sort of moving about, and, and you know, a little curt, you know, with me, to be perfectly frank, and and uh, you know, I think that's probably what got my attention to the situation, and I just I just said, what, what's going on? What's happening? What, tell me what tell me what the, the struggle. She says, uh, she says. Uh, it, it's everything. I've just got a lot. I've got everything. I'm trying to, you know, so much is going on right now. I will, will, will tell me what, tell me what's going on. I'm here. She said, well, you got to go. You've got things to do. And I go, I know, but I have a couple of minutes. Tell me what's going on. And she's listing, you know, listing a number of things in terms of work, in terms of kids, in terms of schedule, in terms of planning, in terms of purchasing, in terms of eating, in terms of, you know, all the things that are in her, that were in her world that time. And so then, so, you know, I did. I did what anybody would do. Is I began to I began to help her organize her situation, and I began to you know help her break down her day into manageable tasks. And we began to look at it in terms of putting it on a list of a list of ways that things could be addressed. And I, I began to tell her that as we began to put things on this list, that really there's nothing to worry about. And that all of her, all that she was feeling was, was not necessary. And that she didn't have to be so worried and frenetic. That really it's just a matter of, you know, put it on the list and then you take care of one thing after the next. And then we prioritize the list right there. Just in a, it just took a few minutes. And I was able to help her to kind of come to a better sense of of comfort and 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 a better sense of uh, of of organization in the process and then you know we and then uh, you know she she seemed she seemed helped by that whole thing and then i was able to go off to work and all was well <laughs> you're laughing it'd been a, been nice if you'd been there to help me in this situation <laughs> but your laughter also tells me maybe you have been there in your own world, in some respect. I found out uh, later that evening um, uh, when, uh, when um, later that evening, th uh, you might imagine we revisited that experience. Um, it wasn't quite so passive and and placid in that, in, because when we revisited it that evening, it was a little more high volume, um, and it erupted into 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 some you know uh, louder voices, and then and then at one point uh, later on in that moment, uh, it dissolved into tears, and I was told once I was able to hear her uh, in that moment that that what happened in the morning, um, that she didn't need to be fixed. She didn't need the problem solved. She just needed me to hug her. And I, it wasn't the first time I've been told that. 
It happens, you know, it, it happens uh, more times than I care to, to admit um, uh, that, that my knee-jerk reaction in the midst of chaos, in the midst of chaos, is my desire in the midst of chaos and, and sadness and frenetic is to provide orders, to provide a sense of control, is to problem solve. Those are, and those are great strengths. I mean, the, I mean, without, without, so I'm not trying to aggrandize myself. I mean, it, th- those things are great strengths in people that I appreciate because often when, when my mind is frenetic and m- when my mind is, is uh, disjointed and when I'm living in, an, in a restless situation, what I am seeking is order. I'm seeking a sense of peace. I'm seeking a sense of, of um, uh, control, a, se- a, a, a sense of uh, a fix. And so, and so when people can provide that, you know, I, feel very, I feel very kind of comforted and very loved and very organized in the process. So I'm just trying to pass on all that goodness to the person I love the most with the best gifts and skills and abilities that I have in, my, in myself and that I've received from others. But what she's telling me, what she's told me dozens of times is that, is that in those moments of the highest point of, of chaos when her world seems to be collapsing all around her, what she doesn't want first is fixed. What she wants first is presence. She wants to be heard. She wants to be felt. She wants to be connected. She wants there to be another human in her experience that's willing to jump into that hole and into that darkness of chaos and say, regardless of what we find here, I'm with you. Yeah. And I imagine that many of you are the same way. And, and your laughter at the beginning of that process helps me to know I think you've been in that process. And there's a sense where because God made us and because God ultimately understands who and what we are, that in the, in the middle of the chaos of humanity, he knows that what we want, that, that what we need most first isn't the fix but the person. Which is why in the middle of Isaiah's letter, he's been for eight chapters up to now, we're in chapter nine, in the eight chapters, he's been talking about the chaos. And even at the beginning of this chapter, he says, he says, there's gloom. For though, you know, nevertheless, there is no more, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress, that the people walking in darkness that those who have been living in the land of the shadow of death, that this, he's telling, he's telling us, Isaiah's reminding us of the condition in which God finds us. That ever since Adam and Eve, you know, ever since Adam and Eve stopped walking in the cool of the day in the garden in this beautiful, opulent, light-driven, wonderful, peaceful, restful place of perfection, God places them in perfection you know, I always, I always, uh, when I when I was a child, I always thought when when pastors were talking about the the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, I always had this sense of man, if I'd been there, uh, it'd have been a whole other story. I'd have gotten it right. I'd have been. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have gone for that fruit. Doggone it! Piece of fruit. Yeah. God made them perfect. God enjoyed time with them. God put them in utter perfection. And I think I'd have done a better job than they did. Yeah. 
And in the midst of that wonderful, peaceful, restful, joyful, serene moment, ever since that day ended when they decided to follow their own will rather than the will of God, rather that they decided to go off on their own. And really what happened in the garden is the same thing that happened in the, in the uh, same thing that happened in the parable. You go, Jesus, the most famous parable, I would venture to say, I don't know what your favorite parable is that Jesus told, but probably the most famous is the one about the prodigal son. Remember? Two sons, father had two sons, and one says, I want, I, I, I want to leave home, I'm done with you. And off he runs with his inheritance. It's the same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. God had two children. And then one day they said, I'd rather live my own life than live with you. I'm going to do my own thing. I'd rather be a God unto myself than have you as my God, as my Father. And off they ran. And from that day till this day, it has been gloom. It has been distress. It has been chaos. It has been darkness. And it has been the shadow of death since that day. And it's only, and that, and that, and that darkness has been expansive. That chaos is expansive. So, so it's not just, it hasn't been localized in some respects. It has, to, to a certain extent, you know, um, the, the, to, in a certain perspective, you can say things are getting worse and worse, that the poison and the chaos that erupted, that landed in the world in the Garden of Eden has rippled out and continues to ripple out, and that poison continues to flow and to, and to grow and to contaminate everything that it touches. And, and the expanse of that darkness keeps growing and growing and growing with, with greater population, with greater, with greater intensity, with the, with, 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 the, with the advancement of cities, with, with, the, uh, with greater and greater intelligence and, gra- and more and more background and great, just disharmony all. And, and we see that operating in our world day by day. We see that. And, and, if we, and if you don't see it in the world day by day, maybe you feel the darkness inside of you. Maybe there's a sense where, you know, I, 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 tell, my, I tell my wife uh, that, that she and I, we, we talk about, you know, our struggles together and, and, and she knows that, um, that when I'm that I'm, when I'm struggling most, it's often I'm struggling most with the dark thoughts, with the with the with the internal lies that are being told to me about my, about myself, about people, and about the world, and sometimes about God. And the temptation that I face in those internal struggles, in my internal psyche, my my emotional world, is to do I believe those lies? Do I, do, I, do I set my roots down in those untruths and then operate according to those, those lies, operate according to that root system? Or do I set my roots down, do I set my confidence in the truths of what God says about me, about my world, and about the people around me? Do, where do I place my hope? Where do I place my, 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 my weight of, of reliance at? Faith, that's the faith. Where do I put my faith in those moments? In the lies? And here's the thing. If I could see the lie, if you could see the lie in the darkness in your mind, if, if, in, the, if in the mind and in the psychology, the darkness, the distress, the gloom that's in there, if you could see the lie, if you knew it was a lie, I bet, I bet you wouldn't put your faith in it. 
if you could see the lie, if you, you know, if, if these dark thoughts came and over the top of it was one of those like Hollywood signs that goes, lie, 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 of course you wouldn't believe it, would you? You wouldn't, you'd say, that's oh, a lie, and you'd push it aside, and, you'd, you, and then, the, when the, and then the, other, the, other, the other idea, the truth, if the truth came with a sign on it that said, truth, truth, you put, yeah, of course, you probably put your faith in that. But the problem is in the gloom, the internal gloom, the internal distress, the internal chaos of the human heart, the human psyche, I can't, they all look the same, don't they? They all feel the same. The darkness and the light, I can't distinguish it. And even John says that when the light came into the world, the darkness did not understand it. John, in his gospel, in John chapter 1, he says that the, the, that the light shined into the darkness, but the darkness could not perceive it. Why? Because in our darkness, in our gloom, everything looks the same, and so I'm just trusting whatever comes. It's just sort of expedient trust, and I need help. And so Becky and I, we talk about these things, and hopefully you're talking about these things. And sometimes, psychologically, sometimes uh, biologically, they're, they're, we're, we're a little off, and sometimes we need some, you know, just like blindness or or, 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 or a mus muscle development or some sort of internal heart murmur or something like that. Sometimes I have an internal brain murmur or some sort of psychological that I need, that medication and help and psychology and, and, and counseling can be very helpful in that process to distinguish between the truths and the lies. Because if once I see that something's a lie, I stop trusting it. I stop resting on it to be the, to, to step forward with. And I rely on the truthful thing. So if you're, not feel, if you're not seeing the gloom and the distress in our world, maybe the gloom and the maybe you, maybe you sense the gloom and the distress and the darkness, the shadow of death that's inside of you, because it exists in both places. And certainly, 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 depending upon the sense of your focus, and I think if we're, I think if we're honest with ourselves, everyone experiences a little of both. Maybe you're one of those people that experiences that inner darkness more poignantly than others. Maybe so much so that you can't even, that it makes you see more darkness outside of you than actually maybe does exist. And maybe you're the person who sees more outward darkness than the inner darkness that's inside of you. And you, all you see is in people or in systems or in things, the chaos and the darkness and its ever-expansive nature. It's, 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 it's as if this, you know, it's, it's a, glowing, a growing blob of poison that's, that's seeking more of life and people to devour in some capacity. And things are just getting worse and worse and worse. And just like when Becky came home with her expansive darkness, her expansive distress in her world that day and other days, my immediate reaction is to try to fix it, is to try to, try to problem solve it. And 
when you and I see the inner darkness or feel the inner darkness in our world or see the outward darkness in our community or in our family or in our, or in our country, that our immediate response is to try to bring some system, some method, some strategy, some problem-solving means to fix the darkness. And Isaiah says... You can't fix the darkness. You can't fix the darkness like that. There's no fixing the darkness. What what you need to fix the darkness, what you need to fix the darkness is what? A light. A light. And you, because you are darkness, because the darkness is residing you, you, you and I have no ability, have no ability to change the darkness. The ever-expansive, ever-flowing, ever-rippling darkness and, and chaos that's in our world and it's in your heart, you and I have no ability to do that. The, the pastor says the light has to dawn. The, the light has come. And, the, and it's not just the light that will fix the darkness. It's not just a fix. It's person. The hope of change, the hope that the darkness will stop expanding, that the distress will will somehow diminish, that the gloom will somehow lift. The hope of those things is not in a in a strategy is not in a is not in an organization. It is not in a method. It is in a person. He says He says, you know, in verse 6, he talks about how the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The those who are living in the land, this is verse 2, living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The nations are enlarging. You're increasing their joy. They will rejoice before you as as people who've who've harvested, as people who have brought victory, as people who are uh, dividing the plunder of, of of a... It'll be like in the days of Midian. Remember Midian? This is how amazing the change is going to be. Midian, as you might recall, is Midian and Gideon. They rhyme. Midian and Gideon. Remember, Gideon was the, was the judge who was greatly fearful of being a judge. He was, he, he, he was, uh, he was just very nervous, and so uh, God gives him a lot of people. They had, he had like, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of warriors to go to war against the, against the Midianites. And God says to him, you have too many. You don't need that many. And so he will, God, through the process of his various, of his various uh, filters, whittles it down to 300 against tens of thousands of Midianites. And they conquer. God does the unlikely with the small against the great. And they rejoiced, and there was such amazing, overwhelming joy that God, in that one moment, in that moment, he, he lifted the gloom. He, he diminished the distress. He, he, bring, he brought light to the darkness in that, in that little experience. He says, and that's just a taste of what is to come, but not through war, not through methodology, not through strategies, but he says, what, what is the light? For in verse 6, for to us a child is born. Again, what? Not a warrior, not a king, 
Not a strategist, not someone with great power, but the most vulnerable, the most unlikely person on the planet. A child. Uh, uh, and and, and, and the, the implication is, a child to, uh, uh, for to us a child is born. A newborn, an infant is going to do this. An infant's going to do this. And normally you hear these, this kind of passage talk about at Christmas. And certainly it does revolve around that idea that a child, Jesus, and this was written, Isaiah wrote 800 years, you know, seven, 800 years before Jesus. Could you imagine that? Suppose, think with your mind's eye, you lived at the time when Isaiah's writing this. And he's telling you, Isaiah's writing and he's preaching the sermon. And he's saying, all of the darkness, it's, it's ever flowing, it's, it's, it's ever increasing, but, but the kingdom of the child will outrace it, will out-increase it. That, that, what, what does it say about, it says in, in verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In other words, the darkness is increasing and growing, but what's growing faster, what's got more speed and more power and more expansive nature, the increase of the child's government, the increase of Jesus' government, the increase of his peace, the peace over the darkness, the peace over the distress will outrace and will overwhelm it. And you hear this sermon and your heart is filled with great hope about your own personal darkness, that the inner darkness of my life, it, that, uh, that it just seems to get worse and worse. Oh God, some days I just want it to I just want to I just want it to stop resonating within me. I just want to be able to distinguish between truth and lie. When will the day come when I don't have to live in this restlessness in my own mind and heart? And Jesus and the and Isaiah says that a child is coming. A child is coming and he will remove the sense of chaos inside of you. And he will bring you peace. And you can live at rest with your own self. And then 800 years later, it happens. Not even in your lifetime. Would you, if you heard this sermon that Isaiah is telling you, this hopefulness, if you, were, if you were living in the day it was existing, see, now that would be like, what's today? Today is 2022. If, it, if Isaiah gave that sermon today, Jesus would arrive in 2822. Could you, could you spend your 80 years believing that and letting that truth drive you rather than the lies about the darkness? But we don't live then. We live in a better place. We live in the age after it happened. The people of Isaiah's day, they were living hopeful of the day to come. They were living as, you know, they were living hope, what Isaiah wanted them to live. He wanted them to live with a sense of expectancy, the sense of you, you don't, the darkness doesn't win. The child will win. The, Jesus says, in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your chaos, I'm not sending a method. I'm not even sending, I'm not even sending a good messenger. I'm not sending the angels to do this work. I'm coming. I'm coming. In the person of my son, I'm going to take care of this. This is why I always, this is why I always tell, um, you know, when we were raising our kids, 
and they were scared of something, scared of the dark, scared of the thunder, scared of losing something, scared of school the next day. We, we would always tell, as, they, as we put them to sleep at night, we never, told them, we never told them that God would send his guardian angels to watch over them. We always told them, I says, because you're, you're and the scriptures back this up, the, the scripture that, that you are far too valuable a thing for him to entrust it to anything other than himself. God, angels aren't watching you. He's here watching you. Jesus is telling us, God is telling us through the prophet Isaiah, in the midst of your distress, in the midst of your darkness, he's not trying to just fix it or solve it. He's coming to be in it and to say to you that no matter how expansive the darkness gets in you or outside of you, I'm there with you and I'm going to overpower it. I'm going to be your peace. And I'm going to bring it to you in the midst of all that experience. That's, that's what he's telling us in this, pro, in this process. And they were believing of its hopefulness yet to come. You and I believe in its having already happened. The child's been born. The light has come. The, the darkness has been arrested and Jesus is already reigning in his kingdom. That what is, what is promised here, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the, the government. There is no hope in any government other than his. That's why no matter, no matter how crazy things get in our political system or in the political systems around the world, I, it doesn't... I really don't, there's a sense of me that I'm just not, I'm not stressed by it. I mean, I get stressed like anybody else, I guess. And I have opinions about different things that relate to the government, that relate to our politics, but they're, but they're, but they're, pe they're pennies. They're, they're pittance compared to this. Where is my energy? Where is our energy? Where is the energy? Where is the sense of confidence in God's people? In the government of his son who says that I'm the one who's overcoming the darkness. I'm the one who will be the peace. I'm the one that will expand this in the world and, out, and inside of you. And how will this be accomplished? Through the faith of his people, through the work of his church, through the efforts of his children? No. He says it in the very last phrase we read. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He will accomplish this. Not you or me. We trust in it. We, we receive it. We don't achieve it. He's the one that makes this happen. And we place our faith in it. This is the truth that we, that we rely upon, that we, that we sink our roots deeply into, and that it emboldens us to live in a world that is still yet full of chaos and in a mind that still is yet kind of filled with chaos, but knowing that the child has come to remove all of the brokenness and betrayals that you and I brought into the world. In the Garden of Eden, you've heard me refer to this a number of times, a number of things happened. There was a ripple effect, there was an immediate ripple effect that occurred with the darkness. In the very first moment that, that sin occurred, in the very first moment that they decided to go their own route rather than God's route, the first thing that happened, what's the first thing we see in the Scriptures? If you go back and read Genesis 3, what's the first thing we see happen when Adam and Eve ate the fruit? They start hiding from God. They, 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 they immediately have an allergic nature. They immediately have a, a separation, an alienation from God. Because when God shows up, like he always did, shows up in the midst of, 
Adam, Eve, where are you? They're hiding. They weren't hiding before. Now they're hiding. Alienated from God. At war with God. Separated from God. That's the first, as it were, the, 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 the moment the pebble hit the pond. That was the first impact. Huge impact. But the next impact, equally as damaging, equally as alienated. What's the next thing that happened? God says, where are you? Adam says, we were hiding because we were we're shamed and we're guilty. Guilt and shame. Psychological. I'm afraid of myself. I don't, I'm, I'm uneasy. I'm alienated from who I am. I, I, I can't live with myself anymore. I'm damaged goods. I'm a mess. I don't deserve to be in your presence anymore. I don't de- I, and I feel guilty all the time. I feel uneasy. And that unrest, that, un- that, uh, that internal, emotional, psychological unrest, that alienation, second ripple, boop. Third thing do you see happening, generally speaking? What's the next thing the, te- the story tells us? Well, how did this happen? God says, well, where are you? I'm here. They're afraid of God, alienated from God, shameful, alienated from self. And now what's the next thing? God says, well, how did this happen? He says, she did it. She, she did it. It's like my kids coming down from upstairs. I hear a thud and then a crying baby. And then the rest. What happened? Well, she or he and they and the other, pointing, always pointing away. Where did, how did we, where did that start? Adam and Eve. That's the darkness. Alienated from the person I love the most. Not a chapter before, he's looking at this woman that God gave him and going, this is, he's writing poetry right off the bat. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is, I, this is, this is the greatest of all things. She is, she is mine. I am hers. This is beauty incarnate. And yet, and the next, and then the next chapter, as soon as, as soon as I'm alienated from God, as soon as I'm alienated from myself, I'm pushing people away. It's her fault. She did it. And then lastly, they alienated from God's good earth, God's good creation, that the earth doesn't do what it's supposed to do anymore for me alienated from her own physical body. Her body and birth doesn't happen the way it should have happened before. It's now, it, 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 birth, birth, beautiful thing, right? Giving birth to humanity, extending life, expanding the world, and now full of pain. Okay, you know, the way, that, the way that that curse is brought in, just as an aside, I, what was childbirth going to be like if we hadn't had the fall? I think every woman in the, in the world is wondering that. You're going to find out, I think. Because I think heaven, birth in heaven, is going to be an interesting thing. We don't even know how life's going to be transformed because his government's going to overcome the darkness and the pain and the unrest that we caused. And each of I'm in a, I'm I'm going to be for you the Prince of Peace. The war that you started, I'm going to end and be the peace of it. The alienation that your sin caused between you and me, I'm going to end that with peace. I'm going to make your lives more characterized by rest than by restlessness. Psychological damage, the shame, the guilt, the fear driving us, driving our lives. I'm going to to be the counselor that 
I'm going to be the counselor that's going, to, that's going to change your whole psychological makeup. I'm going to be the counselor that will be the, the, a, a wonderful counselor to, to correct your thinking, your feeling, your, your, your yielding to life. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to draw you in relationally. I'm going to be a father to you forever, an everlasting father. You can't end this relationship because you didn't start it, and I'm never going to end it. I'm going to be the father that you would reject. And I'm going to be the God who can change with my mighty power every aspect of this world and the next for your benefit. I'm going to bring heaven and earth. I'm going to move heaven and earth to make your lives into the beautiful, peaceful, wonderful, expansive beauty that I intended it always to be. That's the promise. And we've, not only do we have the promise of it, we have, we have the, the fruition of it because Jesus has already come and the kingdom is expanding. There's a sense where the people of Isaiah would, in his day would say, I wish I could be you. You're living in the end. You're living in, you're living in the days after the promise. What in a, the promise has come and now it's expanded and we have it, but it's still yet to come. We live in between worlds. The world of his kingdom has come. It's expanding. It's growing. And it's changing. We can believe it more, more solidly because we have the evidence of its truth and the empty tomb proving that it's been accepted. And yet we still live in an age where, we're, where we are waiting for the consummation. You know, it's very, very, much like, uh, very much like the people of England right now. Okay? The, uh, the queen has passed. God rest her soul, and the king has come, and he is king, but he hasn't been coronated yet, right? We're still waiting for that. And so many of you are going to wake up at 3 in the morning, and you're going to want to watch that. And the people of England, it's going to be the most, one of the most opulent things that have ever, that's ever occurred. For, for 75 years, it's never occurred. A coronation. Our king, the king that will bring ultimate peace, the only government that will ever stand and that can remove the darkness inside and out. He's come, he's living, he's reigning, he's conquering, he's solving, he's present. He's, he's taken all of the darkness into himself and given us back his peace. But he hasn't been coronated yet. And so we live in this world between his coming and his coronation. It's an age of hope. It's an age of expectation. It's an age of, of anticipating with watchful, hopeful eyes, leaning towards the light rather than the dark. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the light that has come. Lord, I pray that by your grace we would perceive it, that we would understand him, and that it would ever progress in our lives to change how we see this world and how we live with hope and boldness and fearlessness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.